Hey everybody, welcome to Artifice episode 78. We are now firmly in the middle of October and I hope that you all are enjoying your fall so far and finding things to be excited about and feel kind of cozy and warm and fuzzy about um, while also doing your very best to stay healthy and uh, trying to take care of yourself. I don't have... um, anything really new to share. I've just been doing kind of all my normal things, working on the songwriting course, um, working on a new album, working on a bunch of projects at my house and more specifically in my backyard, um, trying to stay creative. If you're a person who could use a pep talk on such things, reach out to me. I, I mean it. I will talk to you and give you a pep talk about how to just kind of keep going, Um, but I'm sending all of you good creative vibes, um, you know, as we're kind of heading into winter. So, um, today's guest is Brian Hales, who I met and interviewed a couple of weeks ago. Brian is a visual artist. He does a lot of different kinds of mediums. Um, but rather than just telling you, I will read his bio. Born at the base of the beautiful Wasatch Mountains, Brian began exploring and sketching the world as most children do at a very early age. He continued to pursue not only his artistic path through traditional schooling, higher education, and endless hours of practice, but also his love of storytelling. Utilizing his natural illustrative and creative design sense, he began writing and illustrating his own books through his teens and on into adulthood. Um... The next paragraph talks about Brian's inspiration and that a lot of his work um, is in science fiction and fantasy genres. Um, Hales studied illustration and graphic design at Utah State University, where he received his Bachelor of Fine Arts degree, as well as Academy of Art University in San Francisco. Um He's won a bunch of awards, including the L. Ron Hubbard Illustrators of the Future Contest, and his art has been featured in the 2017 through 2020 editions of Infected by Art. While continually pursuing progress and improvement by way of technique and application of his own works, he also keeps busy with design and commission work for a a diverse clientele, including book covers, magazine illustration, corporate design, as well as private commissions. Hales currently lives in Salt Lake City with his wife and four boys, where he continues to write, paint, and draw regularly. Okay, you guys, enjoy Brian. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists, and I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Room to Sing Mask. As artists, so many of us use our voices for work, whether we're performing, teaching, or in rehearsal. And by now, we've all learned how incredibly difficult these things can be while wearing a mask. Luckily, there's a great solution. The Room to Sing Mask is made by independent artists 
for independent artists. You can open your mouth nice and wide without the mask slipping off your nose, and you can inhale deeply without getting a mouthful of fabric. Head to www.roomtosingmask.com, select the size and fabric you want for any full-priced items, and enter promo code ARTIFICE15, that's all caps, artifice one five for 15% off your purchase today. Let's get right into it. Um, So I like to ask people at the beginning of the podcast about like their childhoods. And specifically, I'm curious about like what you like. I want to know about how your creativity developed. So you could talk about like what you were doing that was like creative stuff or more just like how you thought about things or what media you were consuming, whatever you want. But what what were you like as a creative child? Right. I think uh, I mean, I think. A lot of children, uh, most kids love to draw, yeah. you know, they love to color. Totally. And uh, they're very creative. I think the the difference between professional artists and everybody else is we just keep doing it. I say that all the time. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've always loved uh, not just, you know, art and illustration, but uh, the act of storytelling. Yeah. And I think uh, illustration and, uh, you know, drawing and painting was sort of my outlet to tell stories. Yeah. And uh, so that's sort of... As I've gotten older, I've gotten more into the writing aspect, and yeah, uh, so cool. I'm sort of a writer, illustrator, yeah, 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 and uh, and designer. So cool. Yeah. Um. So when you were little, um, y- y- I think you're right. Like all kids, color and draw. Um. But you know, we definitely see a difference in like kids who like k- keep drawing and are like, you know, maybe trying to like draw more advanced things or like where it's kind of working on it. Right. Um. Was there like an age where you found that you were kind of like working on it more? I think, yeah, I think in high school, I I started to get a little more serious about it. Okay. So Um, as a younger kid, um, do you feel like, because I I agree with you and I say it on the podcast all the time, like we all are creative. Like I I don't believe that creativity is like, like I, I think we're all creative. I I teach kids and like you have kids, so I'm sure you, you know, you've seen this, but like there definitely are some kids who like get a little, they just, they have something extra. Right. Um, and I, I find that some of the adult creatives that I interview will report that like they had something extra as kids. And some of us report that we didn't, you know, we just maybe liked it more. Right. So, um, I'd love to know more about like, when you were younger, and so let's say like before the age of like 10, mm-hmm. um, do you feel like there was anything kind of like different about what you were doing versus maybe what like other kids were doing? Yeah, I, I mean, I think from an early age, I had a, a little bit of a different mindset. You know, I would go to my high school art class and the teacher would give us all an assignment and everybody wanted to do a good job to get a good grade. Yeah. But I didn't really care about getting a good grade. I just, I wanted to do a good job because I wanted to publish it in a book. Yeah. You know, I wanted to get published. I didn't care about the school or the the grades. Um, but it's been interesting. I have four boys, um, you know, uh, three, five, seven, and nine. And, uh, it's interesting to watch them. I, I think, I don't think it's just about, you know, art or being an artist. I think we all have different, uh, interests. Yeah. Um, you know, like one of my boys is all into dinosaurs yeah. and animals and, yeah. you know, I have one that's into trucks and construction vehicles. Yeah. And, you know, I think 
the topic, you know, totally. the subject is almost kind of more what drives, I think, a younger uh, kid's creativity. Yeah. Um, I, I and think so, you're right. you know, they're wanting to color trucks or they're wanting to color dragons or whatever it yeah. is, you know, and so they, they kind of go off in those paths. And for me, it was always, uh, you know, the fantasy and the yeah. sci fi stuff. Just me too. Loved it. Yeah. I, I didn't become, I'm a musician, so I, d- I didn't become a visual artist, but, uh, but there are, there are drawings of dragons that are in my like, <laughs> in my like scrapbooky like right. memory stuff. Mermaids, unicorns, yeah, yeah right. All Lots, the mostly stuff. dragons, but yes, okay, sometimes yeah. mermaids okay. and, and I think less so unicorns, but yeah, definitely okay. a little bit. But mostly, mostly a lot of dragons. Right. Um, yeah. So okay. So by the time you were in high school, you were thinking like you were thinking about kind of professional things, but, um, but I mean, again, like I can't, I couldn't be more interested in like, how are we doing it? Like, cause you know, like what are the things that kind of, what are the things that carry over that allow you to be a high school student who's thinking that way? So when you were, when you were younger, um, okay. So maybe, maybe I'll ask it this way. Um, were, were you mostly like, so again, like maybe before the age, like before middle school. So like when you're like a child uh-huh. um yeah. did you were you mostly drawing with like pen pen and pencil or did you have like did you have to did you have to at some point like advocate for like art equipment yeah i you know well i should i should uh let you know my my mother was actually an artist okay that that um, definitely is important more, more a sculptor okay so cool. she actually taught sculpture in california at the academy of art university in san francisco awesome um for about 12 years and uh, she's taught some online classes for byu idaho okay, for drawing cool. um and so but i think like me she as you know when i was young she didn't want me to be an artist yeah. <laughs> because she sees the struggles you know yeah uh, as an adult but there was no stopping me, right? Yeah. I just loved it too much, and so yeah, she was she was very helpful as far as you know tools. Um, you know, got me all the the pencils, markers, yeah. watercolors. Uh, you know, I wanted. Uh, I didn't uh, delve into oils. I did a little acrylic in high school, but okay. oils came you know when I was at Utah State in college. Okay. Um, but yeah, when I was a kid, you know, the crayons, yeah, pencils. I yeah. mean, I did whatever I could get my hands on. I was cool. creating even digital. You know, even back even, in the eighties. Wow. Yeah, wow. You know the. Sim- simplistic Kid little picks, uh, painter like, programs yeah, totally. and stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, but what's uh, one thing that's interesting though is my my mom has always been my toughest critic, mm. which was actually very helpful. Yeah, um, you know most I think most parents sort of coddle their kids yeah. and oh that's so beautiful that's lovely we, yeah. you know you did such a great job yeah. and you know my mom would be like you know the anatomy's wrong here let me show yeah. you how to fix that I think the, that's the composition's awesome. not a little off you know yeah. so that was really helpful well i think like a, several things that you said i think are really interesting and again like you know the longer i do this podcast so i think I, this is maybe like my 80th interview so the longer i do this podcast the more that i realize we there's there's no there's no commonality we can count on. Like we all have different, we all have different stories, but I'm interested in a couple of those things. Like, first of all, just the fact that you have a parent who's a professional artist, that's huge. Like, and and I think it could be huge, like for better or worse, you know, it sounds like for you, it was, it was mostly for better. Um, but like, yeah, just having, having a family where like, there is some kind of a precedent that art is something that we can take seriously. I think that like has got to seep in early um, right. versus like art is something that helps you kind of waste your time while mom does dishes, you right. know, or something yeah. like that. Or like, 
you know, it's, it's like an activity to like, just fill time. It can be something that's like, we can master, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I have to imagine that mindset really like, you know, is something. So do you know like how old you were when she started kind of talking to you? Like, like giving like feedback? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> probably as far as like, uh, you know, constructive criticism, Yeah, maybe, I don't know, eight to 10 maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I have an uncle who's, so he's my, he's my dad's brother's husband. Um, so he, he didn't grow up in the family, but he's a professional artist, which like as an adult, so there's no one else, there's no one who I'm like biologically related to. That's a, that's a professional <laughs> artist. Uh-huh. So having my uncle Jonathan join the family when I was already like getting a music degree, I, I, it's the best. I'm so like grateful to have him, but I went and visited, um, he's a graphic designer and a sculptor. Mm-hmm. I went and visited them. They live in Texas in the fall. Um, last year before the world was totally insane. (laughs) I feel like that was like three years ago, but it was really like not even a year. Um, anyway, he was doing, he was doing some art with like watercoloring with his little boys who are, I think they're like maybe four and six Mm -hmm. and just watching him like talk to them about their, their work Uh was like, I felt like I was going to cry. Like it was so moving to just watch him be like, I really like how you're filling up space or like that line. I mean, they were doing like abstract, just like filling up an entire page right? versus like, you know, figures or anything. <laughs> um, and, you know, like watching my uncle Jonathan be like, you know, this line that you did is really interesting. Like, why did you choose to, and like watching, you know, Everest, my little cousin, who's like, four you know maybe he's five being like well I like you know like just watching them talk about it I just thought like oh my gosh like I can't even imagine having that kind of conversation and all all this to say sounds like you were having conversations like that yeah I mean and it starts it probably started started earlier than that um you know when I think of my kids uh you know a few months ago one of my kids had a, a nightmare like a night terror yeah and uh it was almost like a sort of, he was awake, but he was asleep. And yeah. there was this monster thing that was chasing him and he was reacting to it um, while we were sort of holding him and stuff. And yeah. after he finally sort of snapped out of it and woke up, you know, I went and got a piece of paper and a pencil and I said, yeah. draw it, you know, what did this monster look yeah. like? And um, so it's fascinating, you totally. know, the, um, it's, it's sort of an outlet for kids to, you know, express the world that they see. Yeah. And, it's, it's great. And it's, yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's, it's that. And so many other things too, like it's, you're teaching them how to think, like you're teaching them to think in a different way. You're teaching them to like, think about what they're doing and have like some ownership. Like it's, I think that can be really valuable. Um, and it can, I really, I do think like it can change the way that you think like into your adulthood. Mm -hmm. Um, even if you don't end up doing art, you know, just like, Great therapy. Yeah. And having (laughs) your brain just like, like training your brain to like paradigm shift or like, you know, think of like, it's problem solving too. Right. So I think that's really cool. And then the other thing you said that I wanted to ask more about is like this whole, this thing of like, there's, there was no stopping it. Uh So what are your thoughts about that in terms of like, what, cause I agree that everyone's creative, but not everyone, there's not always no stopping it. Right. So what do you think that is? 
Yeah, I mean, I was a huge fan as a kid of uh, Chris Van Allsburg, uh, his children's books. Is. He did Jumanji and The okay. Polar Express and, oh. you know, Flight of the Zephyr. And um, I just love that format for storytelling. And, um, you know, from elementary school and middle school, I started writing and illustrating children's books. Yeah. And um, when I was in middle school, my I think it was my eighth grade teacher, uh, she let me know about this art contest. Um it was called the Written and Illustrated by Awards Contest for Students. And okay. uh, each year they got about 150,000 entries oh my gosh. from across the country. Yeah. Um, but I entered uh, it, this story you said called... eighth grade? Uh, I think it was, yeah, it was seventh or eighth grade. Okay. Um, I entered a story the first year called Dragonlands, and uh, I got fourth place. Cool. Out of 150,000. Wow, that's amazing. And then the next year I did a book called Don't Go Near the Crocodile Ponds and, and won third place out of 150,000. Was that one on here? I feel yeah, like I so, saw it. Yeah. So there, I did a kid version, you know, when I was okay. in middle school. Okay. And then just uh, a year or two ago, I decided, awesome. you know, I, I love this story. Yeah. I got to re, sort of sort of rewrite it, reillustrate it. And uh, yeah, we Sorry, published that one I last interrupted year. you. So that one won, that one, what place did that one get when you were so in? So Crocodile Ponds won third place awesome. uh, back in what, 1996, 97. Yeah. That's something like that. huge. <laughs> like, okay. So you said before that you weren't like serious about getting better at stuff until high school, but like, I know that's Maybe it not was true. Before that. Yeah. It's definitely was before that. Yeah. I mean, even just. Just, even just like this thought of like, I'm going to write and illustrate things. Yeah. That is like a serious, like that is a grown up type of a thought. Right. Um, and it sounds like you started doing that when you were like, like before middle school, like a, yeah. like a child. Yeah. Well, well, I, I entered another contest when I was 13, uh, it was a sponsored by the U S postal service cool. and McDonald's. It was to design a U.S. postage stamp yeah. for uh, earth day. Cool. And, uh, for the 1995 commemorative series yeah. and that one, uh, oh man, how many entries did that one have? Hundreds of thousands of entries, wow. um, across the country. And, uh, I got a call a few weeks later. I, I just did this simple colored pencil picture of a boy planting a tree. Cool. And, uh, my postmaster in Millville, Utah told me about it. And I sent this picture in my parents were like, you know, don't you think you could do a little bit better? And oh my gosh. It's like, yeah, I want to go with this. <laughs> it was very simple. Yeah. Uh, I sent it in a couple weeks later. Uh, I found out I was one of two winners in Utah. Yeah. Um, they, they picked two winners out of each state to get wow. a cash prize. And, yeah. and then a couple weeks later I, I was called and told, and, uh, I was told I was one of four winners out of the whole country. Wow. And so they flew my family to DC a couple times. Oh my gosh. I, Got free food at McDonald's for three years, and uh, we were supposed to meet the president, but I it, we met the uh, postmaster general <laughs> um, because President Clinton was busy handling the Oklahoma City bombing or oh something. Oh my gosh, so, jeez! But we did get a tour of the White House, so that was kind of that's cool. amazing. <laughs> yeah, but he, yeah, even just like you know, and and again, like okay, so I maybe I shouldn't say again. It's again for the listeners because I talk about this all the time, but uh -huh. I haven't I haven't I haven't said it to you. Yeah. So part of the reason why I do this podcast is I just think that these creative thinking skills that we have as artists are important and I'd like to see more of them in the world, uh -huh. in and out of art. Um, I mean, they're in art. So <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see more of them outside of the arts. Right. And I think sometimes those of us who, who think this way, like kind of naturally um, or who've been thinking this way for so long that it feels natural can sort of maybe like take for granted like how little the beginnings of those things are or like what the actual like core of the um 
the decision making is. Mm -hmm. So I like talking about it, you know, where it's like, for you, it's not like the drawing. It's like, I mean, maybe that's part of it, but like just having the thought, like I'm going to enter this contest. Like that's something else. That's not like the drawing itself or even like, I mean, I don't know how big Millville is. I've never heard of that. I didn't grow up here, but like (laughs) the fact that your postmaster guy knew Uh that like he should tell you about that, that is means something. Uh That means that you were like owning that as an identity at a young enough age that like the post office guy knew about it. Right. You know? Yeah. I was always, yeah. Everybody's always known I, I draw, you know, yeah. they, they've always known that. So, so, I, you know, it's something I talk about a lot with my students and also with my guests is this idea of like ownership. Like, you know, I think like there's talent and you see kids that are talented all the time who maybe don't just, they don't care, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they don't care that they're talented or they don't, or they don't believe it. Like that's something I see as a teacher a lot. You know, I'll, I'll have a student that, you will do something, you know, as a pretty young kid that I, that I'll tell them, I'll look them in the eye and be like, I don't see this that often, Mm -hmm. you know? And they, sometimes they just, I don't think they believe me. Like they just think like, well, if I was really good, I would be on the X factor or something. Mm. Um, and I'm saying like, you have good rhythm or like you have good ears. Like I'm seeing this trait in you that like, I don't think is that common. Um, and it doesn't at all mean that they will, have any ownership or, or care. Um, so I think it has to be like this perfect crossroads of things and it doesn't have to all happen when we're kids. I mean, I think plenty of us are like talented, but kind of screw ups until we're like older or are like really serious, but not that, you know, like not that skilled, (laughs) like are obsessed with it, but like not that good at it. Um, but I do think like, it's important for us, like those of us who have managed to maintain creativity into our adulthoods to talk about like, what are those pieces? Mm-hmm. I think it's important. So for you, like, it sounds like, I mean, you had, you had like some natural ability, you had interest, you had some ownership. Drive, like, yeah. yeah. You were talking about it <laughs> yeah. with people. You were owning it. You were like, um, self-advocating, right. you know, and like taking creative risks like you know like just this fact of entering contests is like that says something about how you think of like the value of your work right um so i don't know what my point is other than it's great yeah well you know today's world it i think it can be tough for kids and adults yeah because there's just so much competition yeah um you know even when you write and illustrate a book you know how many millions of new books are published every year? Like your, your competition is fierce. Yeah. And, you know, for kids, um, especially now, you know, they create something and then they found, they find out very soon that somebody else created something that's cooler or it's better. Right. There's always somebody better. Yeah. Right. And even, even, you know, I've, I've illustrated, I think I've either written and or illustrated about 40 titles now. Wow. Um, but I'm still looking at those guys that yeah. just, they do it better. Yeah. And you're always comparing yourself to other people. And, um, you know, we're always told, don't compare yourself to others. Just yeah. compare yourself to your older, your self, older self, you know, yeah. and, uh, it's tough to do. And I think kids can feel very frustrated and that can sort of thwart their yeah. progress early on. Um, and so it's, it's more about, yeah, just appreciating what you're doing and, 
you know, your, your step, your baby steps, your improvement and, uh, kind of focusing on that rather than trying to, although it is sometimes helpful, um, to have a goal and, you know, something to shoot for. For sure. So it's kind of a hard balance to strike, especially when you're teaching kids because you don't want to frustrate or overwhelm them because they're just not good right off the bat. It's going to take, you know, practice and practice and practice and time. And, um, sometimes people aren't willing to put it in, you know, totally. Well, yeah. I mean, but I think again, like part of this conversation is like, I mean, you, you like, you like skirted over it, but like, you know, (laughs) you have 40 titles and you're always looking at the guy who's doing it better, but like, you're not stopping. So for your kids, like they're seeing that. I have to imagine like they, they, they're seeing you be like, Oh man, look at this other thing. Like, this is really good. Okay. Back to my studio, you know, like (laughs) they're seeing that example of you, of you kind of like keep, you know, continuing to, to do your best and to like, you know, believe enough in like your voice and like what you can do. So I, I mean, I think at least part of it is like as adults, we have to like show that. Yeah. Um, and I think there are like small ways we can do it. Um, and like to verbalize it to children, right? Like this isn't, this is important. You don't have to be the best. Like who cares, you know? And furthermore, like there's plenty of people who are like objectively better at something that like never get success. Right. It's just like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, don't get me started on marketing and advertising. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so what do you think? Like as a, as a parent of younger kids, like, you know, are, are there things that like, I'm sure that you are doing a lot of things that you're, you're not thinking about that are just like good. But if you were going to think about it, like what advice maybe would you give to parents, um, who, who maybe don't have like as much kind of literacy for like these kinds of things. You know, there are just a few principles. I, um, I don't know if you've heard of Ogmandino, the greatest salesman in the world. Um, he says, failure will never overtake me if my determination to succeed is strong enough. Yeah. And you know, he's, there's these 10 ancient scrolls, you know, I will greet this day with love in my heart. I will persist until I succeed. Yeah. I will make my own weather. Yeah. Um, I will laugh at the world, you know, um, I just sort of, there's these principles. It's sort of about, uh, replacing bad habits with good habits and then becoming a slave to your good habits. Yeah. Um, you know, are you spending, you know, three hours a day binge watching your favorite series on Netflix or are you, you know, hitting the draft table and like cranking out a story or some artwork, you know, what's important to you? Yeah. Um, you kind of just have to ask yourself, what do I want to be? Yeah. Um, and then what's it going to take to get there? And then what are the obstacles standing in the way of that? You know, am I spending too much time watching TV when I could be creating? Yeah. Um, you know, and am I, am I just a consumer or am yeah. I also a producer? Yeah. You know, because producers work a lot harder than consumers. Yeah. And so if you're serious about becoming something, whether it's a dancer or a filmmaker or an artist, you know, you got to dance, you got to create art, you got to make films. You got to be obsessed with you gotta, it. You got to yeah. kind of give it, give it its due, you know, yeah. to become that. Well, and I do, th- I also think like, you know, we can think creatively about what work means. And we can also think creatively about what success means. Like, you know, maybe we could even say like, if you are going to binge watch a TV show, like while you're watching it, think about the lighting, think about the cuts, like think about the editing, like 
do like make it research, right. you know, oh, and yeah. then like it's productive in a For different sure. way or it's stretching your creativity or it's giving you ideas and inspiring you like be present in like that. Like if that's the choice that you're making, like be present in that endeavor. Right. Yeah. I'm um, not saying I haven't binge yeah. watched stranger things or, uh, you know, yeah, Cobra you have Kai. To. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. But even for little kids, like I think that's what I like so much about how I was listening to my, uncle Jonathan talked to his little boys, just like, just altering the framework, like asking this small child, like, why did you choose that color? Like how, how come like these lines are doing this over here? And then like this, these lines are doing this over here. Like just, just like having an active mind. Um, and I was going to say, you know, when I, when I said like thinking differently about what success means, you know, something I see a ton and I think it's maybe partly because I teach singing and singing is so singing is having such a, a moment. And when I say moment, I mean like it's been a couple decades, like since American <laughs> Idol singing is less about art and creativity in our culture right now and more about like fame. Right. You know, so I have the experience as a person who teaches pop singing kind of specifically um, I don't have, I'm not a classical singer, um, where like, I'll get a lot of parents bringing their little girls to me and the parent will start saying like, when should she start a YouTube channel? You know, and the parents not thinking about like whether the child is creative, yeah. whether the child is like fulfilled, whether the child feels confident about her voice and, and not just her physical voice, but like her figurative, like what she has to say. And like, those are the fundamentals that I want to build. Cause I know that's how we get longevity as artists. Yeah. Um, but the parent is like, well, what about her followers? Yeah. You know? So like even just, just like changing the idea of what we think success means, like, Success could be like, how do you feel about your work? Success could be like, well, I didn't used to know how to draw hands and now I do. Or right. like, you know, success could be like, I used to be too scared to apply to contests and this year I applied to five. You know, yeah. like, I don't know, just like thinking, just like thinking bigger or smaller, you know, like depending on just making sure we're thinking, we're yeah. like present. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think marketing and advertising and, you know, putting yourself out there, it, it is important if you're trying to make a career in the arts. Um, but it's not, that's not the focus, yeah, I you, think. You can't try to make a career until you have, right. like, a, yeah, you're, until I mean, you're an artist. I mean, you're not going to become a professional basketball player unless, until you learn the fundamentals, until yeah. you learn how to dribble and how to shoot. You know how to um, how to communicate, right? Like, exactly. How to be a team player. Got to be a right. freaking person. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, for kids, yeah, you know, if parents are pushing fame and competition on kids at an early age, um, it's sort of going about it backwards. I think. Yeah, totally. You know, you should be focusing on the fundamentals yeah. and uh, what it takes to to really master a skill. Yeah. Um, master an art. So, yeah, I would just. I would, it's a little sad to me when, when I hear about parents like trying to push fame already, you know, know. On, on young kids. It's, I don't know. I think it does maybe more harm than good. It but totally does. Yeah. Like, there's no way that those children are going to keep doing music. Yeah. Like, there's no way they are. <laughs> like, because they have the idea that's that like 
the beginning of the process is being on a reality show. Uh-huh. And like that's And if they don't receive crazy. the validation of thousands of followers right off the bat, then they're a failure. Yeah. Right? And then and like none of that development like yeah. ever even begins. Like it doesn't even right. start. Yeah. I, oh my gosh. Yeah. But I think people get the wrong idea. And when you do see children who are on reality TV shows, a couple of things could be happening. Number one, they could have parents that are professional musicians where like it's a first language for those kids in a way that it's just never going to be for you if you, if you don't have that situation. Um, number two, they could be like a prodigy, which like you don't choose that. It just yeah. is or it isn't. And if right. it's not, you don't get to like jump to the end. You just don't <laughs> get to. Um, or like, you know, they're a product and like their lives are really miserable. And, like none of those options are like things that you just do, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't feel more strongly about like, <laughs> let's talk about creativity. Like, let's talk about how we like use creativity and use art to like teach kids how to be like cool adults who know how to like think and problem solve well and the thing is um you know i think certain arts and skills you know we don't really pick them they pick us you know and our parents don't pick them you know yeah you know illustration sort of picked me at a very early age and i always knew i wanted to be an illustrator yeah um you know, and then in college, you know, some, some kids go to college and they don't even know what they want to major in. Amen. And, you know, that was never a problem for me. I, you know, illustration chose me yeah. and, I, and I said, you know, I'm going to be an illustrator, but I have to figure out how to make a good living at it and not yeah. be starving artist. you know? Totally. Totally. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. Which is again, why I always come back to like, let's prioritize the thinking. Cause like mm-hmm. then it can, then the principles are true. Like you said, like the principles are true no matter what it is that you're doing and no matter how the world changes or the industry changes or the technology changes or culture changes. Um, if you know how to think creatively and you know how to be resilient and you know how to believe in yourself, like those are the things that can move with you into whatever you do, yeah. whether or not it's art. Whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you were taking yourself seriously, like in gr- in great ways as a child. You started being even more serious about like illustrating stories when you were like in middle school. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about like how you started like writing stories or like where did ideas come from? Like how how did you do that? Yeah, I think um, you know probably probably television and movies. Um, I've always just loved uh, you know the character. Uh, development, the yeah. plots, the, you know, good versus evil, yeah. darkness versus light. I, I've always loved that. Um, and whenever I, I sit down to write or illustrate a book, you know, it's it's kind of more about what kind of a story or what kind of a show or what kind of a book would I like to read? Yeah. yeah. Um, what's, you know, there's a lot of garbage being produced now, especially on these streaming services mm-hmm. like Amazon and Hulu and Netflix and Disney Plus. And there's just a lot of stuff that I'm not very interested in yeah. uh, being produced. Uh, books too. Yeah. Um, there's just not a lot of books that I'm interested in reading um, that are exactly kind of my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, you know, the book I'm working on right now is called Avila and uh, it's sort of this sci-fi actioner that takes place in space, but it's 
sort of if you took Jurassic Park and Star Wars and mixed it up with cool. the little Guardians of the Galaxy mixed in. Sounds great. You know, it's <laughs> it's about this uh, intergalactic zoological uh, crew that cool. kind of captures and transfers animals from dangerous uh, or dangerous animals from zoos on different planets. And cool. Um, anyway, it's it's something that I would like to see. You yeah. know, I would like to read. I would yeah. like to um, see illustrated. So. Nobody else is going to do it, so I got to do it, right? Yes. And so, yeah. yeah, it's just about doing what you love and what makes you happy and, and feel uh, fulfilled. And, yeah. No, yeah. I totally agree, which is why when you're looking at the other guys that you're like, ah, that's cooler. Like, that's why you don't stop, because, like, you need to make the thing that you want. Right. Yeah, which, yes, I, I fully agree. Like, yeah. and that, you know, and, and if you're a singer, you, you sing the songs that you would want to hear, yeah. right? Of right. Course. The music that you would want to hear. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. So I, I have another, I have like maybe one more question about like your, your teen years or like the younger teen years. So, um, it seems like your peers and, and adults knew that you were like good at this thing. How did that affect like your, like, identity like how did you feel in like your peer group like what did it mean to you to be like a kid who's good at this thing yeah I don't know if there's so much a difference between kids and adults <laughs> you know even when I was adult my parents still didn't want me to be an artist you know they were just worried I wouldn't be able to provide for my family yeah. or something um you know but I, I mean I think when I was I was graduated from Utah State. Uh, I got my real estate license because we were, you know, moving condos and buying a new house and all that stuff. And I just wanted to keep the commissions. You know, I was like, well, I'll go get my real estate degree. And yeah. my mom was so excited. She's yeah. like, oh, good. You're going to have a real job. You're yeah. going to be a real estate agent. Uh, and mom. just like I was thinking, you know, Brian Hale's real estate agent. Like, that's not who I am. That's yeah. not me. I don't want to put that under my name. Yeah. You know, I'm a writer and illustrator and graphic designer. Yeah. Um, and so stuff like that, you know, I was like, no, I'm just doing this to save, save some bucks. I'm not doing it cause I love it. You know, this isn't yeah. who I am. Yeah. Um, I'm an artist, totally. you know, and a storyteller. So yeah, I've, I've sort of pushed the art and the writing and yeah. the, the graphic design very hard. And, yeah. you know, now I, I mean, I make way more than yeah. my parents, my yeah. grandparents <laughs> yeah, any yeah, yeah. ever made. you right. Yeah. So it's not like you can't, you know, there are these tropes and these stereotypes, you know, oh, if you're going to go into the arts, you're going to starve and you're yeah. not going to make any money. No, there are ways to make very good money. Totally. So. Oh my gosh, I feel the same way. Um, you're not off the hook about talking about your teen years. I have more questions, <laughs> but let's talk about this now. Uh, I just yeah. have the worst memory, sorry. No, that's, no, that's okay. I mean, I think uh, even like there's something really valuable about reflecting on your younger self as an adult, even if it's wrong. Like, <laughs> I still think it tells us something about how you think about how like development works. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree. So I have a music degree. I have a master's degree in jazz studies and my parents felt the same way. Um, they were like dramatically disappointed that I went, that I wanted to go into music and there are no artists in my family. So I think there was like a, there was like a compounded element of like, um, we, we just don't think pe people do this. You know, it's not just like, we don't think you should do it, but like no one does it. Um, and yeah, I make, and my parents would tell me like, you know, maybe you should go into educate like elementary ed or something like that. And like, I definitely make more money than like school teachers, which is, I don't think that's okay. Like I think school <laughs> teachers should make, should more. make more. Um, but yeah. Um, so actually like maybe this is like 
we'll see if this is a conversation that you're interested in. And if it's not, I'll save it for another (laughs) guest. But something that I have been thinking a lot about lately, um, I've been coming up against this issue where like, sometimes I feel like the fact that I make money makes people think that I'm less of a good artist. Like they feel like it's cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever experience anything like that? Or is that just, yeah. Yeah, All through school, there's this strange separation between uh, fine art and commercial art. Mm. Um, You have your gallery painters and you have your commercial illustrators and the fine artists, you know, sort of turn up their noses at commercial art because they think it's a perversion of art. You're doing it for money. Yeah. You know, um, when I graduated from Utah State, uh, the the director of the art department at USU um, said, so what are your plans now? Are you going to go into a master's program? And um, you know, I said, no, I'm going to become a working artist. You know, I'm going to yeah. get out there in the field and start making money and doing this uh, professionally. And um, he said, well, you know, if you may- maybe you should seriously think about getting your master's degree and pursuing, you know, a fine art degree. I said, well, the only reason I would want to do that is if I wanted to become an art professor and I needed those credentials, um, and, uh, or, you know, gallery painter or whatever. Um, because honestly in the business world of art, um, people are way more interested in your portfolio than in how much schooling you've had. Totally. Um, they just want to see how good you are and, you know, if it's going to serve their product or uh, their service. So, yeah, I wasn't so interested in getting my master's degree. Uh, I just wanted to start working. And yeah. um, as soon as I graduated from Utah State, actually, the uh, oh, actually a little bit before I graduated, the illustration professor retired, who had been there for 30 years or something. Wow. And so it was left to the fine art professors to decide what to do with the illustration program. Oh, so no. what did they do? <laughs> they killed it. No. It, yeah, it went away. Um, so, yeah, there's always been this sort of weird disrespect between commercial art and fine art, but, uh, it's just one of those things you have to deal with. To me, for me, I don't feel that as much. Cause I like, I do the kind of art that I do is really brainy. Like (laughs) it's jazz studies. And then like, I write stuff that's like modern alternative pop. Um, and it's super niche. So I don't feel that like, I think in tr- if think if someone was looking at the actual art, they would, but the problem that I have is that people don't like, so the, the, the struggles that I have about this, like the glamor of the starting starving artist, I think it's more from the public than it is from like other artists. Yeah. But you, do you feel like you have like fans? Or are you mostly like you're interfacing with professionals versus like the public more? Uh, it's probably both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got a little following, you know, um, when I was in at college at Utah state, one of my, uh, professors sponsored an internship. So I, I lived in New York city for a, a semester Yeah. and I worked at the society of illustrators in Manhattan. And, um, you know, I was meeting with filmmakers and art directors and editors while I was there at the gallery. Um, and I think that, you know, I was, I was actually painting in my apartment one night my roommate came home and saw what I was doing. And, uh, he was like, yeah, you're going to have your own cult following someday. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's cool. It's kind of an afterthought or a byproduct of yeah. you know, when you, when you do what you love and you just, you continue to practice and get better at it, get yeah. better at it. 
you know, people will start to notice and they'll start yeah. to jump on your little bandwagon sure. and support you, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but think, that shouldn't be the focus, oh, like we mentioned earlier. Well, it depends on what you're doing. It depends. You're I mean, because right. if you're in a mus- if you're a musician, once you're there, once like, you once you've got yeah, you know, once you've got the skills and you've got sure, the sure, sure. But I don't, yeah. I don't think we're talking about the same thing. Oh, okay. Because uh, you were talking about like, um, you were talking about making money, which uh-huh. is also what I want to talk about for maybe a minute. Sure, yeah. Okay. So I have this thing, and maybe it's a music thing versus like maybe it's just like a different. It's different in the medium, but I think for musicians, people like my customers are the public, right? Mm-hmm. Like my customers aren't like other professionals usually like people are going to buy merch directly from me. They're going to like stream. Like there's nothing, I mean, Spotify's in the middle, but there's not like a, there's not like a studio in the middle, you know, it's like me, the streaming service, the person or whatever. Um, and I think sometimes people have this idea, like this is maybe a society issue. People have this idea about art that it's only really art if you're starving. Like it's only really art if you're in like a crappy apartment in New York and it's not like you couldn't really be an artist if you like live in the suburbs in Utah and have four kids. You make a good living. Yeah. And I make a good living. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like, do you, um, do you find that that's like an issue that you deal with or is that like different in your field? I, I think a lot of people do have that mindset. Um, I really don't care yeah. that people, other people have that mindset. I'm just going to do what I love anyway. Yeah. And if they're not one of my customers, then yeah. I could care less because I've have, got a, a plenty of a people that are, you yeah, know what I mean? Totally. So. Do you have thoughts about like, um, like, do you, are you interested in like speaking to the fact that like this concept is like bullshit? Well, I mean, in my career, it's sort of half and half, you know, half of my income is, is customers. And then maybe a little bit more than half is clients, but it's, you know, I make my money with clients and I make my money with customers. And yeah, you're right with clients. It is more about your portfolio and your skills and, um, your networking. Uh, whereas customers, you know, it's about creating a, an amazing product. Um, so, you know, hopefully more and more people will buy my books, but, um, like I said, that's not, it's a little bit, it's becoming a little bit more of a focus as I learn more about marketing and advertising, you know, kind of what the public wants does a little bit influence, you know, the content that I produce. Um, and for clients, obviously you're producing what they need, right? Um, Whether it's a book cover or a brochure. But But what if we're just talking more about like, what if we're talking less about like what you do and more about just like, how people think about the arts. Yeah. Like, okay. cause I mean, cause again, I think like we're, it's misunderstood. Yeah. So I, I definitely like, I'm not trying to say that you should care what people think. Like <laughs> I'm also not like, I don't, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, but it can be frustrating when people have the wrong idea about what it is that we do. Right. So I maybe more feel like, you know, like part of, the other part of the reason why I want to do this podcast is, is exactly this. It's like the stuff that people just do not understand about what our lives are like. And I don't want for there to be kids who are like you or who are like me, who are totally capable of making a good living. Uh And like, it's good that we both like went down the paths that we went down, even though the adults in our lives were like, don't do that. Yeah. You know, so I, I do, I do think there are misconceptions about what an artist is and yeah. you know, what they should be. Um, I remember at my uh, graduate show, um, you know, I had some oil paintings hanging in the gallery and, 
um, you know, I was there with all the other students and the parents and some of the public. And I was standing in front of the painting that I had posted uh, for the the show. And, uh, you know, kind of an acquaintance came up to me and she kind of looked at my painting and then she looked at me and she said, you know, you're you're not like like an artist. Yeah. Yeah. Type. I, th- <laughs> I think of you more like like a wakeboarder. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. Thank you. I do not want to be known as the sort of artist stereotype. Like, but, but also, <laughs> I would way like, rather be known as a wakeboarder type. <laughs> yeah. But also that's so stupid. Like, yeah. I mean, here you are in a gallery in front of your painting. Like yeah. you're an artist. Yeah. But yeah, I hate that kind of thing. I mean, I feel like I get that too. Like, sorry, how much art do I have to produce before? Like I'm an artist. Like, but yeah, I mean, I think that like, it's the same, it's the same problem that we were talking about before with like this focus on fame, like a focus on like what you're supposed to like look like or what you're supposed to wear or where you're supposed to live or like what what hobbies you're supposed to have. Like if anything, the art profession should be the most open to different lifestyles totally (laughs) and i think the Uh, art profession in a lot of ways is but like the public has these misconceptions that like if you're a real artist like because what do you think she was imagining like what what is what is the thing yeah did i need a picasso hat and like dirty clothes i don't know you need to be like taller because that's how we see artists (laughs) in film you know like they're really really tall wasting away Uh like men and women like tall and they look starving maybe yeah paint on my (laughs) jeans whatever yeah sure and like yeah and like you maybe are walking with a different kind of posture and like you probably definitely don't have kids or like maybe you have one kid who you're really you have like a really harsh relationship with you know (laughs) i don't know like but like but these things are based on like film you know they're not based on like actual humans um and i think that also contributes to this problem of like kids and their parents like not focusing on the creativity like you know it's like we get so distracted by these like ideas that are fiction that we we stop thinking like about what an individual is capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yes, artists can make money. <laughs> like, <laughs> especially now, like, I mean, there are things about, like you said before, there's so much competition, like the market is so saturated. Like those things are hard, but there's also like, it's way easier to be like an independent, like hustler, you know, like it's way, it's way easier to like self-advocate now than it ever has been. Um And like, yeah, like there are artists who live in the suburbs. It happens, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have the, does your wife work? She does. Yeah. She's the opposite. She's the left brain of our relationship. I'm the right brain. She does uh, corporate accounting. Okay. So my husband's an engineer and I think maybe just because we have the, the gender swapped, like I'm an artist and he's a math brain. Um, everybody assumes that like, I don't make any money. Like they assume that I don't and that like he just pays for everything, which is (laughs) not accurate. Um, But yeah, I mean like, it's like, I can't, I don't, I don't even, I can't even like show evidence that I'm like doing well because people just don't (laughs) think they don't believe it. Yeah. They they won't make room for it in their brains. Right. Um, Anyway, it's crazy. It's crazy stuff. Um, Okay. So I I do want to like, I do want to just connect like your, your, pre-adult to adult self because I do think like this time when we're like older teens transitioning into young adulthood that's where we lose so many artists Mm -hmm. do you find that as well 
Yeah, we we actually started a, an art contest for kids uh, last year called Draw It With Me. Cool. And that's actually my website, drawitwithme.com. And it was interesting to see kind of the spread and like the number of entries we got from the younger kids versus the older kids. Yeah. It kind of spans from, you know, middle school to college. And um, yeah, I think uh, a lot of people they sort of start to buy into, I think a lot of that, um, the stuff that we've been talking yeah, about, the stuff we've been yeah. talking about with, um, you know, I, I can't make a serious living as an artist. So, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll be an accountant or I'll, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll study law or whatever. Um, it's, um, uh, I don't know. Like part of me as a parent, you know, I look at my kids and I say, you know, I, I'd rather you be a doctor or a pilot, yeah. <laughs> you know, rather yeah. than follow the path that I've done. But, but like you said, they yeah. see me, you know, creating all this art, making a living at it. So that's kind of what they want to do too. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. But, um, so it, it's hard. I think it goes yeah. both ways, but yeah, it, you just really, it, you just really have to focus on what you love to do, you yeah. know, um, and make that work. So if you can, if you can try to think back to like your 17, 18 year old mind, I know you said that illustration was always the thing that you wanted to do. But was there any like wrestling of like, am I going to go to college for this? Like, did you have to kind of like think through that or was that just a given? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I think I went to Utah State. Well, I, I mean, I got a couple of uh, art scholarship offers. Um, I think Dixie College, BYU, Utah State. Uh, I ended up going to Utah State. It was the kind of the best deal. And um, and I could, you know, save on rent for a little bit yeah. um, before I moved out. Um, oh, cause your, cause your family lived my up family there. My family was okay. up in Cache Valley. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I went to school because my parents wanted me to get a degree. Yeah. Um, because like I said, to get a job in art, you just have to have a great portfolio, yeah, but right? Sometimes you do need school to you like do. learn. Yeah. yeah but, not everybody does, but some of us do. Yeah. And a lot of people ask me like, oh, my kid's interested in art. You know, where should they go to college? I said, well... You know, what professor do they want to work with? Yeah. I think a lot of people are like, well, I should go to this school or I should go to that school. I give the same no, advice. No, no. Who, like, who do you want to be your, you know, master? Your mentor, you yeah. You know, your, it's sort of a master apprentice relationship. Yeah. And maybe, I think when you're, when you're, ma yeah. when you're, you know, mastering an art or something. I think so too. Um, Nobody so, cares about the degree. Yeah. Who do it's you want about, to work with? Yeah. Who do you want to shape you? Right. And, yeah, and so. you could do that in a formal way at a university or some other way, but you, yeah. but if you're going to go to college, like, don't get confused. It's not about the degree. Like no <laughs> yeah. one cares. Nobody cares. No one cares. Yeah. If you yeah. have a BFA, that's great. They don't care where it's from. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I worked with Glenn Edwards. He's an amazing painter. Um, he passed away last year. Um, but he was just awesome. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I worked also with Alan Hashimoto once they ditched the program. Okay. Um, who was the graphic design professor. Uh, but he had kind of started out as an illustrator. So he kind of took us remaining illustrators under his wing yeah. to finish out. So, so, but it wasn't a hard, it wasn't a hard decision to decide like where to, what to do. Like you, like, I'm wondering, like, did you have to kind of go like, can I make a living? Or was it just like, I don't know if I can, but I know I'm doing this. Yeah. Well, and it, and it helps to like, I, I learned a lot at Utah state. I learned more about art and how to make a living and stuff at college yeah. than all my years in previous schools or practicing or whatever. Um, when I was in New York city, uh, I remember there was a visiting artist named Gary Kelly who does the, uh, murals in Barnes and Noble stores okay. and stuff like that. 
and he was talking to a big group of illustrators that were gathered and I was kind of in the back, you know, um, serving drinks and stuff because I yeah. worked there, um, but listening. And he said, how many of you want to be uh, illustrators? And, you know, most everybody raised their hand. He said, how many of you want to make good money? You know, and everybody raised their hand. He said, then learn graphic design. Yeah. Um, he said, I mean, graphic design is so similar to illustration. Um, a lot of the principles uh, apply. And it's a good crossover um, because from a business world and a business perspective and, you know, kind of like the, the, the mindsets that we've been talking yeah. about in the general public, yeah. um, you can make a very, very nice living as a graphic designer. Yeah. Um, and that allows you the freedom to yeah. illustrate right. and not worry about money. Right. And so I took that uh, to heart yeah. um, because every company under the sun needs yeah. a good graphic designer. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a requirement nowadays. You yeah. got to have good design, um, no matter what industry you're in. Yeah. So, so that's actually been a really great uh, blessing for yeah. me because I actually really enjoy design yeah. and the, the design informs my illustration and the illustration informs my design. Yeah. Um, so that's been kind of how I've sort of launched myself yeah. and now I can do more of the writing and illustrating right. and make well, good money. Out that's of it, so. one of the things that I wish that we would talk to more young people about, you know, who are talented and who are and who are passionate and driven, but who just have people in their lives telling them this isn't a possibility. Mm -hmm. um, Cause there, like there is an equivalent of that in every field. Yeah. Like for me, like I don't make a lot of money doing the fancy, like brainy art that I, that I make. Um, I do that because it, that's art. You. That's what I want yeah. to do. But the stuff that I make money doing is teaching. I teach at the university and I teach private lessons and I make money singing in a wedding band. You know, those things are not like sexy. Like mm -hmm. those, those aren't the kinds of things that make me an artist. But in order to be an artist, I have to do those things yeah. so that I can There's like something, something to be said for paying the bills. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, and frankly, like, I also think it's totally valid for people to, you know, like, like, I like it that the, that the, like, I, sometimes I call it like capital A art and lowercase a art. Mm -hmm. Um, like I, I like it that the, that the lowercase art that pays my bills is still art <laughs> right. um, because it does like, you know, frankly, like when I'm teaching that really inspires me, like it, like t working with my students will sometimes like make me want to write where like, I think if I was working in an office somewhere, I wouldn't feel that crossover and performing, you know, at my wedding gigs, like that doesn't feel like art, but it's freaking good for my voice. You know, like it's a good workout. Right. Whatever, just, whatever gets you practicing. It, right. Right. Yeah. Like, and so I'm, I get to make money while I'm practicing. Yeah. Like you're right. That's what it is. But I, I do think that for, there are plenty of people who, in order to make the art that they really want to make, you know, they, they have like a kind of like a regular nine to five. And I, I think that's not that different from what I'm doing. Like technically all of my dollars are music dollars. Um, but like, certainly there are varying levels of like, which of those things feel like art right? and which of those f things feel like art adjacent hustling. Yeah. Um, okay. What do I want to ask? Okay. I, okay. I would like to ask. So before you went to college, like, but when you're right on the cusp, like you're applying, you're like, you're think you're you're starting to think of yourself as a person who's going to be a professional artist. You're 18, 17, 18. Can you give me like a snapshot of like what your 
like what was your identity like what was your confidence like what were you scared of like can you remember any of that stuff yeah I mean I had um you know some apprehension um you know trying to pursue a serious career in art um so I was at Utah State uh, I knew I wanted to work with Glenn Edwards, but I knew he would only be the illustration professor for two years. Okay. And so I took all of my upper division art classes when I was a freshman and a junior. Yeah. yeah. Um, and because I knew, you know, that he would be leaving and I didn't yeah. know what they were going to do with the program. And so I, you know, I was a senior and um, I was taking all of my, you know, generals. Yeah. That's creative too. I mean, that's yeah. another, that's another example of this like creative thinking of like, I have my eyes on that guy and yeah. his skills and like, I got to, and he's only going to be there for two years. So yeah. I got to take all my classes from him that I can. Yeah. Um, but I also served a mission for my church, okay. um, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I went to Florida for two years and I'm teaching the gospel. Um, and when you're a missionary, you're, you're basically, you know, nine o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock at night, you're busy, you're, you're out teaching and stuff. Yeah. And my only time to draw when I was on my mission was I had I had one hour every morning set aside for personal study, yeah. which was my hour yeah, yeah, out yeah. of a 24 hour day. Yeah. And so I would just you know listen to the Bible on uh, tape or the Book of Mormon on tape and I would draw because yeah. that was the only time I could do it. And so yeah. every morning for an hour I would draw. And uh, some of those drawings, I entered into contests and stuff. And while and you were a missionary, away. while I was cool. a missionary, yeah, cool. and I won. That's creative too. Yeah. <laughs> I won the uh, Illustrators of the Future contest in Hollywood. Cool. And uh, they flew me out there, had a week long workshop. Wait, was that after the L. Ron Hubbard thing? Yeah, it's the L. Ron Hubbard thing. Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's. I mean, they're they're. <laughs> it's a great contest. You yeah. know, it's a free art contest yeah. for illustrators and yeah. free art uh, writing contest for writers. That's cool. Um, yeah, and they. Honestly, they treat you like royalty that, you know, they yeah. pick you up from the airport in a limo and they roll out the red carpet and they have an award ceremony at the end of the week long cool. workshop. Did you, so did you get to go? Oh yeah. Cool. Oh yeah. After did, my mission. After. Okay. Yeah, it, I like, won. I won, I think. And, the, then you, yeah, and then I came home and then went okay. to Hollywood or whatever. Cool. Um, and it's cool. It's like the yeah. Academy Awards for writers and yeah. illustrators. Cool. Um, you know, I got to meet Sean Astin while he was in the middle of filming Lord of the Rings. He's so cute. You know, he was giving out the awards for the winning illustrators while we were there and got to hang out with him for a couple hours. I'm a fan of his. Yeah. Sean Astin's great. Um, but they have, yeah, big actors and stuff that come and do the the award ceremonies and, um, it was cool. It was a little bit of validation, you know, um, you know, oh, this is actually pretty legit. You know, I'm getting like an Academy Award for illustrating some sci-fi stories that's cool. pretty cool yeah um but and so you, yeah even on my mission when i you know i just had that one hour yeah. you know i still sort of pushed it, it and was, i had to do it well, yeah i mean i think you're you're what you're telling me is like it was such a part of your identity that you like made room for it yeah you yeah. always make room for it you yeah made room for it um were you like insecure about your art skills always yeah <laughs> I'm never good enough. Not yeah. even now. I'm none still, of, I'm, well, in, I'm still us, insecure about it. This is something that I love talking about with artists. Cause like who doesn't give this answer? Like uh-huh. we all, do you know any artists who are just like, I'm great. Like yeah. maybe three, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> um, but like most of us feel this way. So do you have thoughts about how we, like, how do you, how do you, Brian balance I'm, I need to be better. Like I'm insecure about this with like back to the drawing board. Like, how do you do it? Yeah. I've, I've always wanted to be looser 
And I've always wanted to be, be more adept with oil paint. Okay. Um, you know, in college I started oil painting and that's honestly my love. That's what I, you know, when I die, if I had a portfolio like, you know, John William Waterhouse, you know, I, I would I be fulfilled. Yeah. I could, I could die happy. Cool. Um, and so that's actually just something I'm starting to, I'm, I'm trying to make room for more yeah. just serious oil painting yeah, time. Yeah, you're still learning and still growing. Yeah. But how do you do it? Like, what, like, I know that this is an impossible question to answer because, like, ultimately it's just in your nature probably. But if, but if you were trying to, like, tell someone who was like, well, I'm lousy at this, so what's the point? Like, what would you tell that person about how you do it when you feel like, I'm lousy at this, so let's work on it. Like, how yeah. do you do it? Yeah. I, um, you know, if I want to paint more like Bouguereau or Alma Tadema, Bouguereau is my favorite or Waterhouse. Artist. Yeah. Like you have to, for, well, for me, what helps is I have to have a project. I have to have a, a goal, something I'm working towards. Yeah. I can't just do it to do it. I'm the same way. Um, and so I, I've, I've started this, um, uh, this this project is on the back burner because I know this one will take at least a couple of years. Yeah, and I'm I'm you know cranking out all these other books in the meantime, um, trying to get a residual income so that I can paint without worrying about money. Yeah, so yeah. I can have that sort of free Sacred creative kind time. of time. Yeah, um, and so yeah, for me, I'm I'm working on a an oil painting book called Maidens and Monsters because cool. that's what I love. And I, oh my gosh, I know I'm, I know that I'm interested in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I just want to do these sort of pre-Raphaelite style oil paintings of maidens and monsters, you know, and, and really kind of chase that Bouguereau, yeah. you know, pre-Raphaelite style. The best. Yeah. I took a class. I grew up LDS too. And I went to BYU for one year and I was, it's so funny to hear you talk about this. Cause like I did the same thing. I wanted to go to the University of North Texas because it's the best jazz studies program maybe in the world, depending on your instrument. Um, and I knew that when I started at BYU, I knew I wanted to go to North Texas. My parents wouldn't, they would hear nothing of it. It uh -huh. was like, it was kind of like, if you don't at least try going to BYU, like you, we will never forgive you. <laughs> so I had a full ride scholarship because I had good grades. So I went to BYU and just saved money for North Texas. And the whole time that I was at BYU, I was only there two semesters, but I was on the phone with the, at, with the counselors at North Texas asking which classes would transfer. Like I was thinking the same way you were. Uh -huh. So I took this class at BYU that like I had to get all kinds of special permission to like skip prerequisites because it was going to count for like an upper division English credit in Texas. Uh -huh. But anyway, I took this class that was like British modernism and it was my favorite. It was one of my favorite classes I took ever in college. And we, we would read like post postmodern British literature and then talk about like art culture from that time. And it was in this like really weird, like like stale basement room in some like <laughs> odd building, you know, it was like a tiny upper division English class. Yeah. Like everyone else in the class was like seniors. And I was like a freshman being like totally out of my depth. <laughs> um, but, uh, so the class was maybe 12 kids. It was just really small. And I remember the teacher like was showing these slides of Bouguereau. And I remember just being like, what is that? Like <laughs> so amazing. I, yeah. I love that, that, um, that style speaks to me too. Yeah. Anyway, that was 
That was, that was unrelated to you. I'm sorry. That was my tangent. Other than like hearing you talk about how you were like hacking your degree just Uh made me think like, yeah, that's what we do when we're like desperately interested in this stuff. For sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So after you finished college, you like, can you maybe just give me like a, like a bullet point of like how you built your career? Like just kind of big picture. Yeah. Um, well, it's a little, well, it's not really related. I, I got a job with Coldwell Banker Commercial uh, doing real estate graphic design. Awesome. Um, so I moved to Salt Lake. Was that and, before uh, you got your real estate license or after? Uh, that was before. Okay. Yeah. So maybe you kind of had the idea to yeah. become a realtor because yeah, you were because working around Yeah, because I was designing brochures for Coldwell Banker. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I did that for a couple of years and uh, they had a merger with the residential and commercial offices and we had, so then we had three designers and, uh, the other two had seniority. I was out the door. Oh. And, um, so yeah, I kicked out on my bum. Uh, I decided to work for myself. So I started doing graphic design, um, just freelance. freelance. Yep. For a few years. And, uh, I was doing little side jobs with some of my roommates and stuff. We would just get little, you know, gigs this or whatever to pay the bills. before you were married. Yep. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just kind of started growing my clientele with design and I had a bunch of people that I had been working with, uh, Coldwell and even from Utah state, I was doing freelance stuff before I even graduated. Um, and so just, yeah, just started building, building my clientele and doing more, more and more illustration, uh, and writing, uh, as well as graphic design. And, um, yeah, that, I've been doing that stuff ever since. So I kind of just started my own companies. Cool. Um, I have a publishing company, Epic Edge Publishing, uh, Draw It With Me, which is the art contest for cool. kids, uh, and then Hales Art and Hales Design, which is my freelance uh, illustration and graphic design stuff. So, um, How did you, and, and again, I know this is an impossible question to answer, so just answer it however <laughs> you want, but how how did you have like the courage to create your own work, like starting your own th- things? Yeah. How, how do you remember like kind you know, of what sorts of things you said to yourself to like yeah. talk yourself into that? I, a part of me thinks that everybody should work for the man at, okay. least, at least for a year or two, <laughs> yeah. just so you can like see what it's like and see how awful it is. Oh, I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe you should work in a little gray cubicle and just kind of put in your time, you know, and yeah. see like, you know, this is what 70% of the world is doing yeah. all day, every day. Yeah. Do you want to do this yeah. for the rest of your life? Yeah. Um, because yeah, working at Coldwell, you know, those long hours in the afternoons, you know, I might've been doing graphic design, but it wasn't stuff that I was that into. Yeah. Um, it was but, like, I made your logo green. Yeah. But Congratulations. it's, but it's, it's cool to experience both sides because sure. then once you, once you do kind of realize like, I want to work for myself, I don't want to be, you know, hold into, to a boss and, you know, do these crappy projects that I don't care anything about. Yeah. Um, it's cool to kind of be able to, to know that and experience both sides so you can yeah. really appreciate it when you are actually doing what you love, yeah. you know, after the fact. So. Um, what about like, so, I mean, working for yourself is one thing, but like starting these specific projects, like starting draw it with me, um, Epic edge, uh, like having, putting your creative energy into building like a home for your work. Um, like what did, what does that feel like to you? Like, what do you think about it? Yeah, I, for me, it's been. I hate to admit it, but it's it's sort of been about ambition, I think. Yeah. I've always had this really strong ambition. And I don't think ambition is one of the most uh, 
respectable qualities in a person. But I was thinking about it uh, recently. Uh, I I can't remember who I was talking to. But they said, if if you could be anybody in the world and, you know, do what they do or whatever, who would you want to be? Like, what would make you the most happy or whatever? And I thought, you know what? I think it would have been pretty great to have been Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's a great guy. He cared about making, you know, cool rides and films yeah. and stories for kids and adults as well. You know, what would it have been like to be Walt Disney? Um, he got to create his own characters. He got to write his own stories. He got to, you know, make his own films, you know, work with actors and photographers and artists and illustrators yeah. and, um, you know, so when I when I started Epic Edge Publishing and Draw It With Me and that kind of stuff, I, I thought, you know, this is a venue that I can create um, and I can actually bring other people on board and yeah. we can be a team and we can create together. And um, so for me, it's yeah, it's just be, having that freedom to yeah to not be limited, yeah. um, you know, into one little pigeonhole or one little niche. Um, but you can actually do just a lot of cool things in a lot yeah. of cool different ways. Well, yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, I think a lot of times for those of us that are artists and if you're a freelancer, which so many of us who are professional artists are doing freelance somehow, Uh um, we, it's almost like necessary for us to figure out these kinds of things. Like it just, if anything, to like kind of try to put some scaffolding around your work to put some like, um, like to give yourself some stability or to just like organize your projects. Yeah. But like, first of all, I don't think ambition is bad. Like I, I know (laughs) what you mean. There's like a, there's like a, it's not the most admirable quality. There's a negative connotation, but it drives you to do some amazing things. I do think it's an admirable quality, you know, (laughs) like because ambition, I mean, Okay, like if you're if ambition is mingled with like greed, yeah, right. or like cutthroatedness, then like maybe that's a problem. Yeah, but I mean that is a problem. That is a problem. But like <laughs> it's not maybe it's a problem. But like being, yeah. I think being ambitious just means like committing to do everything you can to like make the world better. Yeah, like and that can be about making your world better. Like I don't think that's necessarily selfish because like if your world is better then you get to make stuff that is amazing and you get to be a great dad to your kids and you get to teach people. Yes. You get to hire other artists. Like that is something. And furthermore, I think if people who aren't artists, like people who are in science, people who are in business, technology, whatever, if those kinds of people are thinking that way and they're thinking creatively, like, what can I build? Um, what can I do? Like, that's the world gets better when we do that. Right. Especially if we do it with good morals yeah, and good values. And this is like this thing that we're talking about now is is this is what I mean when I say like creativity is important. Like when I say creativity is important, I don't necessarily mean the arts are important. Now, I do think the arts are important, <laughs> right? but I think creativity is way bigger than the arts. Yeah. And I would love to see people who are not artists, like thinking more in these ways, like, what can I do? How can I change the culture? And it might just be like, 
the culture of my family. Like, how do I change like this culture right here? How do I like, I'm not, I'm such a me, Emily, like I'm a small person. Like I live in Lehigh, Utah, like, you know, whatever. But like, I know that I can affect like my students and like, who knows what they'll do? You know, like, I don't care if they become musicians, like they probably won't, but like, maybe I can teach them to think in some kind of a way that like wherever they go in their lives, like they have that little bit of like creative thinking that can make them like make a bigger impact or like, you know, maybe something that I write like affects like someone, you know, like anyways. So I just think, I think ambition really just means like holding yourself to like be the best kind of dude that you can be, (laughs) which like what, how could that be a bad thing? It's not (laughs) a bad thing. I think that's great. And if you build something that didn't exist before that, then like you said, you can bring in other artists. You're not just building work for you. Like you're building work for other people. Right. Which is badass. Yeah. Like that's great. (laughs) Of course you should do that. So, um, is there anything we've missed or like, have you pretty much like you built those things and then you've just been building on those things throughout your career? Yeah. Um, I don't know if this, you know, I don't know if this is advice or, um, one thing I have found is when you create things, um, people, it's easier to sell something that other people can get involved with and yeah. be on board and customize to their own. You know, this last, um, couple of months I've been publishing a bunch of coloring books yeah. for kids. Cool. Uh, it's a series called color my own. Um, where kids can actually customize it and make the story theirs. They put in their own name and, you know, information about them and they can fill in the blanks throughout the story to make it, you know, their own story and they can color the illustrations. And I find that a lot of people, um, you know, you might be, it's, it's a little harder to sell just a book that somebody's going to read, you know? Um, but when somebody can take something and customize it, make it their own, um, it's, it's just really cool, right? People like to kind of make things their own. Um, so yeah, there's a series of 14 coloring books we just released on Amazon, you know, color my own dragon, my own mermaid, unicorn. Um, I think there's a space story. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's cool, you know, like we were talking about getting other people involved, even if, you know, whether it's, you know, you're hiring somebody to, you know, collaborate on a project or you're getting your customers involved in your project. It's, it's cool to include other people and not just make it about you, you know, I totally agree. I feel the same way. I mean, actually like I, I released an album in May and, um, I hired an illustrator to make like an adult coloring book page for each of the songs. Oh, cool. Cause I had the same <laughs> thought. Like I want, I wanted people listening to be able, I mean, it's music. So I was trying, but I, but I have the same kind of value system as you in that way. Like I want people to be involved. Yeah. And so I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I also like made the sheet music like available for free if like other musicians want to play, but I was thinking like, how, how can I make this something that is more than just a consumable for people. Right. Um, and I thought, you know, like maybe someone can listen to the album and be coloring and like <laughs> yeah. thinking about like, cause I, I tend to compose music in a very like visual way. Like I, I'm a visual person who happened to enter an audio medium, mm-hmm. you know, but um, yeah, I, I fully agree with that. Like, letting and I think like this podcast is that too like you know I mean I want to talk to more people I want to bring take bring our conversations like you know just 
who knows what like little thing like sparks someone's brain and gives them an idea and makes them think like, well, maybe I could do this. Right. I just think it's important. Yeah, you know? for sure. And I think especially like our culture is in a weird time where like, I think a lot of that creative thinking isn't, it's not like valued. I mean, it's definitely valued. It's valued in business. It's valued in science. It's valued with money. Like, yeah. but in culture, we don't, I don't think we're very good right now at like thinking creatively. <laughs> I feel like we could be better about it. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm invested in that. Is there anything else that you want to like say about like art or creativity? Like what kinds of stuff do you like to get on a soapbox about, about these kinds of subjects? Um, you know, I've done a lot of, uh, you know, fan X and comic con and been a panelist for a lot of years. And, uh, I talk about, you know, writing and illustrating my books and the process. Um, you know, I've done a lot of comics and graphic novels and, um, you know, devil's triangle is actually doing really well. Um, you know, this last few months, uh, it's this sort of, you know, sci-fi actioner with the Bermuda triangle and, cool. um, it's just, um, I've always just loved, you know, telling really interesting, you know, fun and exciting stories. Um, and I don't think anybody, no matter how hard they tried, could ever get me to stop, (laughs) you know, writing and illustrating stories. Even if I never made a dime doing it, I would still do it. Yeah. Um, why? And I, you know, it's hard to explain. It's that, it's that, you know, why, why does a certain profession choose a certain somebody? Um, you know, it's, it's hard to describe, you know, why we are the way we are, yeah. why we love what we love. You know, why do I not like onions on my hamburger? Yeah. <laughs> it's just I'll kind take of, them. I'll take your onions. Of, I want all the onions. Yeah. yeah. So, but I think the important thing is to not let the world tell you, you can't do something. Yeah. Whenever somebody says you can't do something or you shouldn't, um, you won't make any money, you know, just prove them wrong. Just, you know, Say, I appreciate your, yeah. you know, your point of view, but I'm going to do this because I love doing it yeah. and it doesn't matter what you say. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. Like if, if it's inevitable, it's inevitable. I, I, I know I'm the same way. I was just talking about it with one of my guests a couple of weeks ago, but like sometimes I feel like I'm a glutton for punishment because like <laughs> I can't stop starting projects that I'm excited about, even if they end up being like tons of work, not making that much money. Like, I just like it. Yeah. Like, and then when I'm not working on stuff that I like, I just get bummed out. Like, I get depressed. I'm not as productive. Like, I know it seems like backward, but like, when I give myself work that is going to be hard, but that I'm going to like, I'm more productive on the stuff that like makes money. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I need it or I feel like. I'm not myself yeah. or I feel like a waste of space. Like I just, it feed it gives back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, if someone doesn't feel like that about X, Y, Z, like maybe they feel like that about something else. Like yeah. just think creatively, right. like think about these branches, think about like, you know, what are the things that I can do? What are the things I want to do? What are the things that like only I can do the stories that like only I'm going to tell? Um, Yeah. Um, yeah. what's, what's like your favorite thing to make? I mean, you kind of said like you love the little boogaroo, but like what, what are your, what do you love doing on a day to day basis? 
That's a tough question. And and that's one thing that's made my marketing and stuff kind of difficult is I jump around. You know, I do, um, you know, children's picture books, but I also do fantasy novels and sci-fi novels and comics and graphic novels. And, you know, I so I jump around different genres um, and, you know, different formats for a lot of the stuff that I do. But I think the one thread that does kind of hold it all together is it is kind of in the realm of fantasy and, and sci-fi. And um, I actually enjoy creating things that you couldn't go out and photograph. Yeah. Um, I, cool. I enjoy, I think, fantasy and sci-fi because it's it's stuff that's new. Yeah. Um, which is really hard to do these days. It's hard to do something that hasn't been done before. Yeah. And, um, that's for me, that's always the challenge. Like I want to create a story. I want to create characters that you've never seen before or a story that you've never heard before. And, um, it's very, like I said, it's very difficult, but, but that's what drives me, I think, is telling those kinds of stories. So in terms of writing like words, you've done graphic novels, you, have you done, have you written some actual children? You've written some children's books. Yeah, children's books, illustrated novels. Um, i been published in several anthologies. Um, like short, actually, short stories? Short or? stories, okay. yep. yep. We published uh, my writer's group, a couple of the guys in my writer's group, and I published an anthology called Cresting the Sun last cool. year. And uh, it won first place, uh, the Gold Quill Award in the uh, anthology category. Cool, cool, cool. And, and uh, so, th- but that was a short story that you wrote? It was four, yeah, I had four short stories okay. in it, uh, and the other two guys in my writer's group had four short and stories. You, ha- you haven't yet written a full novel. Oh, I have. Yeah. You have? yeah. Okay. Blink. Uh, Blink is a spy thriller. Okay, cool. Uh, fully illustrated novel. Um, okay, cool. And uh, yeah, I mean. Do you uh, need to look at your list? Yeah, I need to look yeah. at my list here. I've, like I said, I've done like he, 40 books. Brian brought me a list. <laughs> so yeah, I'm working on uh, Avila with a co-writer. Uh, and that's a novel. That's a novel. Okay. Yep. And uh, one also one on the works, uh, Defender of Lions. Cool. And uh, then which will be out next year. You're also getting into screenwriting. Like that's new. Um, yeah, I've done a few little projects with screenwriting. Um, it's mostly adapting, you know, comic books and graphic novels okay. and stuff like that. So. so it sounds like you, like, it sounds like one thing kind of about you or like a thing that's like kind of essentially Brian is like, you're curious. You're always like working on new stuff. You want to be like gaining new skills. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you want to say anything about that and like why that piece is like valuable? Yeah. I think when you're trying to figure out what you want to do. Um, you got to try, you got to try a few things, right? Yeah. Um, you got to try a lot of things. Yeah. You got to try some things. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, don't limit yourself, uh, kind of see what, yeah. what the possibilities are before yeah. you, you know, get, you know, paint yourself into yeah. a corner, so to speak. Ha <laughs> Paint yourself. Um, <laughs> well, and I loved what you said before, like, you know, I, I really, I want to be, you said something about like wanting to get it more into oil paintings or like trying to make room and like, you know, you're, you're like well into your career, like you're, you're as you know as established as we get as artists <laughs> i think like in in our in our careers and you're still thinking about like you're still seeing yourself at the beginning of new projects yeah which always I think, at the beginning and i think yeah. those of us that are sustainable in these careers that we're in we're all thinking like that but it's not the kind of thing we talk about like yeah. i don't think we often we we talk other people ask us about the projects we've finished yeah. they don't ask us about the projects that we're going this one's going to take, this one's going to happen three years from now and it's going to take five years. You know, like people will ask you about that eight years from now when it's done. Right. But like, you know, we as artists, like we're, I think we're always thinking like that. We're always thinking like brewing a little idea about like, what am I going to work on later? 
Yeah, I mean, every time I finish a book and I publish it and people are buying it and, you know, I, I kind of just do, you know, the online marketing and stuff, let Amazon's algorithms, you know, market the books for me. Um, the thing is, you know, people want to talk about the book that I just published. Yeah. And I don't care about the I book know. that I just published yeah. anymore. The thing I'm caring about right now is the next three books that I'm working on totally. in the future. Totally. And uh, that makes marketing a little difficult. But I feel that so hard. <laughs> but I'm yeah. always I'm always looking to the next project, the one that I'm I'm working yeah. on that's going to be published in the future. Cool. Um, so yeah, I'm always looking forward that way. That's a great like little nugget to just like remind people of, like because I think it's a given. Yeah. Like we know, like I think you know and I know because we both no ton of artists, uh, all different kinds. I think like yeah. I do, you know, I'm sure you do too. And we're always thinking like that, but it's not something that we talk about that much. Right, so, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Which is why my podcast is called artifice. Cause it's like, what's the stuff that you're thinking about <laughs> that like people wouldn't know. Right. Like what's, what are those behind the scenes things? Okay. Well, I think we've basically done it here. So, um, unless there's anything else that you want to talk about, um, I always ask everybody at the very end, what's your dream collaboration or like your dream project? Who would you love to work with? Oh man. Uh, I've always been a fan of, uh, Michael Whalen. I, who is, I don't know who that is. He does fantasy book covers. I okay. think he's retired now, but he did, uh, you know, he's, he came out of retirement, I think to do a couple of Brandon Sanderson's covers. Okay. Um, but just, just an amazing, uh, illustrator. He's one of the guys that, uh, you know, I went to the library when I was a kid and got one of his books, Michael Whalen's works of wonder and, uh, saw a bunch of his dragon and, um, cool. you know, fantasy covers and stuff. And that was one of the, uh, the books that actually sparked my, you know, interest and basically, um, my desire to become an illustrator. Cool. Um, are there any like authors that you'd love to work with Oh. or, or film people? I mean... Yeah, I've always been a fan of fantasy. Anything fantasy, you know. I, yeah. I just love fantasy, um, be it Sanderson or um, you know Lloyd Alexander. I would love to work on a, a Chronicles of Predane sort of project. Cool. Um, and uh, filmmaking, yeah. I mean, yeah. Concept art for things like cool. Dune, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love that stuff. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Great. Um, finally, tell everybody where to find you. So uh, a few websites, you can get my stuff at uh, hailsart.com. And it's Hales, H-A-I-L-E-S. Yes, uh, okay. art.com. Uh, I also have an Amazon author page, which okay. has all my titles. Uh, so you can uh, just check out Brian Hales on Amazon. And um, yeah, check out some of my books. It's great. They're fun. <laughs> Brian, thanks so much for being here and chatting with me. Yeah, thank you. It's really great to meet you. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from my album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel and ad segment music by Jerem Hansen. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.